going to test you. Every deal will, but some deals worse than others. So you got to kind of look at a bigger picture than just one deal. Because if it's just one deal that you're in, I don't think that this industry is for you. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's us today? Alex Holt. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. And you, Joe? I'm doing really well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Alex. He's the owner of Buying Cincinnati Houses. He's done over 10 deals with no cash out of pocket. And he's completed several land contract deals that where he was able to flip with little more than just sweat equity based in Cincinnati, Ohio. So with that being said, Alex, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. Like Joe said, my name is Alex Toad. I've been in real estate four to five years. I got started just pretty much off of sweat equity and just trying to learn whatever I could and soak up knowledge land contract, seller finance, things like that have been a big interest of mine. And next focus for my real estate company is to acquire more buy and hold and to acquire more investors for our flip properties and ramp up the construction side as well. So let's dig into the deals that you've done. I introduced you by saying you've done over 10 deals with no cash out of pocket. Let's talk about the first one. We'll go from there. What was the first deal? First deal I've ever done, I traded the down payment for a landscaping project. It was on the west side of Cincinnati. What we pretty much did was it was 3500 down. It was a land contract. And pretty much what I did was the owner of the property needed landscaping services at a bunch of different properties. So what I did was I was able to trade my landscaping services for that to get me in the door, which was around. $3,500. So we were able to trade that and put the rest of it on monthly payments. So that deal, we kind of went in and it was a little bit too much for me at the time because I had little to no cash for reserves. So we ended up getting in over our head on that one, but I ended up being able to sell it later to break even, but I learned a lot. So you have a landscaping company, right? Correct. Okay. So did you propose to the individual that you do that trade of services for $3,500 down payment? Yeah, I did. Because at the time I knew that she had the property and I'm like, man, I'm itching to get started. And she needed the services really bad. And I'm like, why not just use this for the down payment to acquire the property? Was there any initial pushback? Not really, because they still made money off the deal. They were already big investors. So for them, it was kind of like a win-win, like, hey, I don't have to pay him the cash that I would have had to pay him to do the service. So it was actually pretty smooth. Okay. And you said you didn't have the cash reserves, so you sold that property versus holding on to it. Can you tell us a little bit more about the structure, like how much you were needing to pay each month and what your plan was for the property before you sold it? 
Yeah, so on that particular property, what I was thinking, I actually had a partner. I actually brought my mom in on that deal, and I forgot about that. I just thought about that. I brought my mom in for a little bit more security because at the time I was not sure. So pretty much what we did, it was a duplex in a rougher part of the city. Our monthly payments were, I think, principal and interest and even taxes. I think it was like three twenty-five or three sixty a month. So we did that for probably six months to a year. It's a little vague now, but it was somewhere between six months to a year, and it just got to be too much. We our contractors, and every contract we got was like twenty thousand dollars to do this and finish it up. And at that time, it was just an uphill battle. And how much did you have the contract for purchasing it? I believe it was seventeen five, including. The down payment, so I believe it was somewhere like that. And then okay. the monthly payments, like I said, it was after that. All right, so 17500 to purchase it, and then you were having to pay 360 a month, and I'm guessing that's because the duplex wasn't being rented out? Correct. It was in condition that was not letting it be rented out. Needed mechanicals and cosmetics and all those type of things. Okay, so you agreed on a contract, you traded 3500 bucks for landscape and yep. lawn services, and now, congratulations, you've got a house that needs work and is costing about 360 bucks a month just as the payment to the seller, not including Correct. any other carrying costs, right? Were you having to pay the other Correct. carrying costs too, like taxes? And yeah, insurance? taxes was included. I can't remember at this moment if insurance was or not, but I know for sure that taxes was included. It was okay. escrow. All right. And then what did you end up in total putting into it, including the carrying costs? And then how much did you sell it for? I believe we probably were somewhere in the area of 21 to 22,000 all in. And we end up selling it to a cash buyer I actually believe he was a retired NFL player from what my agent told me. There's some type of uh, retired pro baller, but we ended up doing a cash transaction for 20000 So we ended up taking like a one or $2,000 loss, but with the experience gained from it, I would eat that any day. So that was the first deal, and you Correct. got a lot of experience from that. And then you loved that so much, you did a second deal. <laughs> I did. What was the second deal? I believe the second deal that I did, I brought in a local investor slash mentor to me. I brought him in on a deal that later we found out we should have just wholesale. Pretty much this deal was brought to me saying, hey, she's at 11 or 10000 and I got her down to $9,000 cash to basically purchase a property that had a lot of options in the beginning. And I was thinking the best option would have been to flip it because ARV was somewhere in the 60000 range. So I'm like, hey, if we can flip this and make some money that we could be all in maybe $31,000, $32,000 and double our money. We are taking a big risk being in a rough part of town, but big risk, big reward type of thing. So we got into that one and it ended up becoming a nightmare from everything from our contractors kind of pushing us behind, delaying to the structure of the building on top of all these different building code ordinances the property had on it, which at the time I didn't do enough due diligence to know about. That ended up smacking us in the face as well as having to put a roof, furnace, rebuilding staircasing. We had a little bit of mold remediation issue, you name it, steps, electrical. We kind of redid the entire house. So you mentioned building ordinances. What came up? 
What ended up coming up was a vacancy permit since the establishment was vacant for so long and it had broken windows. So we had vacancy permits and we also had some electrical inspections that weren't pulled. So once they came inside, it kind of ramped up to be more drywall, framing, fire blocking. But at first it was just a vacancy ordinance, which I learned pretty much to get them inside to see what you're doing. And then after that, they'll hit you with, well, you're going to need this, 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 and that. And you mentioned that you partnered with a local investor. And I'd love to just hear the story of how you came to partnering up with him. Yeah. So like I said, he's been more of a mentor as well. So I kind of knew my aspiration. So I was taking care of his landscaping at his primary residence. I mean, I was kind of telling him about the deal that I had, and I'm like, look, we have different options. I was kind of like, hey, I haven't done a bunch of deals, which he already knew. So he's like, hey, man, I'll take a chance on you. We kind of like we're talking after a long day. I think we might have installed some trees and did some mulching for his property that day. So we were kind of in the backyard drinking a beer and kind of got the deal done after the beer and just like, hey, I'll bring you the money that you need. Let's Go ahead and get it done, man. Let's try and make some money. So it was a pretty easy sale on that one. How much did he invest in that deal? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if off the top of my head, nine for purchase price, carrying and holding costs, I think we were somewhere around thirty-four to thirty-five thousand all in. Okay. By the time it was said and done, what'd you end up selling it for? We sold that one for 37000 not including realtor closing fees and stuff like that. So we ended up actually taking a bath on that one. We ended up losing, I think I said somewhere between six and $7,000, maybe a little bit more we lost on that deal. So take us back to when you had to break the news to your investor. And it's like, oh, not going to be making money. In fact, I think we're going to lose money on this. How's that conversation go? That was a tough conversation, Joe. That was not only just an investor, but it was also a person that I considered a mentor, friend who gave me a lot of great advice on growing my business and kind of getting out the way of my business for success. So that was one of those sleepless nights for like a few days, I would say, just on how to present this. So pretty much I just kind of called him and just thought like if I was in his shoes, what would be the best method that I could do and offer So I pretty much just was as honest as I could. Look, I think we're at a turning point where I don't want to keep coming back for more money to sink in this bottomless pit, what it seemed like. I'm like, let me just do what I have to do to get this deal closed out and try and salvage what I can material-wise and resale and things like that to kind of help with the amount of money we were going to lose. I was up front and said, like, look, we're going to lose money at this point, specifically him. I'm losing time. He's losing money, and both of those two don't go together. Mm-hmm. So that was the second deal, and now you've done over 10 deals with no yeah. cash out of pocket. Tell us about a deal that's gone well. Yeah, I would say my best deal thus far with no cash out of pocket has been a duplex in a nicer part of town. It actually was the ugliest house on the nicest street, basically. So I ended up acquiring the property for 38000 I found the investor that I could offer them $300 per month, like as a flat fee. And originally, I think the payoff was four years. So he was making good return on his money. The property went in his LLC. So that's one of the ways that kind of little or risk. So pretty much that property was a duplex. So I had one tenant downstairs paying, I think, 800 a month. 
and the upstairs is where it needed the most work, but it had four bedrooms and two full baths. So I knew that the upstairs, if I could just get the upstairs rented, then eventually it would make good money because I could have rented upstairs for eleven to twelve hundred a month. So my plan in that one was just go in, kind of light cosmetic overhaul, like downstairs once the tenant moved out. That didn't go as planned. She stopped paying rent, had to kick her out. Long story short, I ended up calling my realtor one night. Look, I'm about $5,000 out of pocket. Plus, every night I'm up here doing something. And at that time, I wasn't like a contractor. I'm still not officially a contractor now, but I can DIY some projects type of thing. So pretty much with that one, I end up just saying, hey, what do you think this is worth? A house up the street just sold for 179 or 169 pretty much same specs except it was a single family and she's like i don't know alex let's just put it on the market and see so we're going back and forth i ended up putting it up for i think 77.9 or something in that range i ended up getting not a full price offer but a pretty good offer within 48 hours in the condition that it was in and the contingencies were pretty low so i end up all together end up netting i think about 34 $35,000 off of that deal within six months. Oh, hallelujah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And what deal number was that? I believe that was somewhere between four and five. Four and five. Okay. So yeah. the no cash out of pocket part, that's from what I can tell, it's from two different approaches. One is the lease option and the other is partnering up with a private investors. Is that correct? Correct. And which one's your favorite option out of those two? I think it depends on the scenario, Joe. I can't say I have a favorite, but depending on each scenario, as you know, would be different. But I like the aspect of land contracts because you just still hold on to the asset. Like it's almost like in a sense, I can offer them saying, hey, I take over the property. You don't do anything. I default. I've been fixing it up, blah, blah, blah. So to them, it's a win-win. And for me, I can still have a property that once I pay off, I'll see the residual income afterwards of a buy and hold. So for me, that's kind of always been a win-win. How's that conversation go when you speak to the owner for the first time about something that they most likely have no idea about? Yeah, good question, Joe. That conversation usually goes there. It's still even entertaining because usually on the first introduction of that, they won't even entertain it, but if they'll entertain it and not hang up on you, because that happens a lot, you have to be a little persistent. It pretty much goes as, hey, Ms. Johnson, this house, of course, as you know, already needs a lot of work. I'm in a position to put trade sweat equity, but not a lot of capital. Are you okay with just exploring the option of me taking over either A, your payments, or you being the bank to the property and I pay you monthly. On top of the monthly payments, I'll also pay you interest. So that usually gets them going a little bit because I say, look, you still retain the property. If I default, I'll already sign a contract when we do the, when we record the land contract, stating that if I default, you automatically you don't have to foreclose on me. I automatically give up all my rights. So I kind of put all the ball back in their court as far as everything's on me to perform. I like to have it where pretty simple for them to get out of it. So that's always been a strong selling point. So after that, it's just after being persistent and seeing if you can come up with a number that makes sense. How are you finding these deals? In the beginning, I scoured 
Craigslist day and night. I've done Facebook Marketplace. A lot of people networking. I know a, a good amount of people just saying, hey, I want to buy houses more the better. I'll look at anything type of approach. So I can't just say one place, but a little bit of everywhere. When you say networking, what's a place that maybe isn't as obvious that you found someone, if there is one, for how you found the property via networking? One of the most strangest places that I've actually acquired the no, not that deal, but I actually acquired a property was going to get a truck loan. The lady in the office to acquire a loan, she actually knew of someone selling a property and put me in contact with them and they ended up being a property in Dayton, Ohio. So that was probably the most strangest networking place, <laughs> just kind of those talking gifts of gab type of thing. How much did you make on that deal? Um, that deal, I put no money out of pocket again, and that deal, I end up netting between seven and seven five hundred dollars, seven thousand and seven seven thousand seventy five hundred. How much was your truck? Yeah. Truck was eighteen nine. Boy, you almost got fifty uh, percent off your truck <laughs> just from that, <laughs> right? I didn't even look at it like that. Yo, good one. <laughs> oh, that's great. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best advice ever is to when this industry gets tough and everybody is maybe not having your back or your side, just kind of always keep in mind your end game and not one deal per se, but keep in mind where you want to see yourself and your family in the future and what avenues real estate can offer for you. I think that would be the best advice because it's going to test you. Every deal will, but some deals worse than others. So you got to kind of look at a bigger picture than just one deal. Because if it's just one deal that you're in, I don't think that this industry is for you. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready, Joe. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy, and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. All right, best ever book you've recently read? Recently read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What's another mistake that we haven't talked about that you've made on a transaction? Messing up on a contract before, sending in the wrong purchase amount on a contract and leaving out a zero. (laughs) (laughs) Was that able to be resolved? It was, luckily, with a good title company. What's a deal that you've done that you're really proud of? doesn't have to be the most profitable, but you're just proud of it. I'm proud of the deal, actually, that I, I lost my money just because it tested my resolve and just the ability that I would not quit, not just in a monetary value, but the friendship that I was able to build with this person because other deals that we're doing now is going to make us money. And other things we've done in the past has made us money because we've done different deals since that. So I would say that a second deal that tested everything, late nights, all that was probably my most testing deal. Didn't make money, but I learned so much. And then the integrity of, I think, my name held a lot of weight. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? Currently, what I'm doing is I'm starting to reach out and 
talk at uh, different speaking engagements to the high school and different youth in the city of Cincinnati, trying to encourage people to look at and go for their dreams and anything is obtainable. I didn't start with money, so don't let that be your excuse. And then also for young people or just anybody of any age looking to get into real estate, I try and trade time to answer phones or reach out to people that need my assistance and just try and help be a pure motivator for anything you can do. I feel all things are possible. How can the best seven listeners learn more about what you're doing? Right now I have a website being worked on. It's buying Cincinnati houses. And you also can reach me at Facebook. It's Alex Holt, H-O-L-T is the name. I'm usually on there and easy to be accessible. Great. And we'll link your Facebook profile to the show notes. Well, Alex, thanks for talking about your background, your story for getting started, as well as how you creatively put deals together. I mean, this is truly being resourceful and also looking at the long game knowing that the relationships that you build along the way are what really matter and approaching that accordingly, even when deals don't go right, doing what you did so that you're approaching it with integrity and building those long-term relationships. It's great stuff and really appreciate you sharing that. It's inspirational as well as a good reminder. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Joe. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting-edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com.